It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy, Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. Friday edition of Lockdown Rams. We made it the whole week. Five episodes this week. It's been a bunch of fun getting together with the guys from the NFC West. We got Brian Peacock of Lockdown 49ers. We got Bo Brock of Lockdown Arizona Cardinals and Corbin Smith of Lockdown Seahawks. Today, We go through all the conversations we had earlier in the week. And if you guys missed it, we started with the defensive group. Best of the best of the NFC West on the defense. Then we hit offense on Tuesday. Coaches on Wednesday. Thursday, we did breakout players. Best newcomers as well. And then on Friday, we kind of read you the results. And we reacted a little bit to all the polls that we put up throughout the week. And in the last segment, we kind of do our predictions for the 2020 season when it comes to the NFC West. Did things change from the last time we talked right after the Super Bowl? Some yes, some no. You'll find that out here on this episode. It was a long one, so we're going to get right to it. Brian Peacock runs us through it, and it's only right. NFC West champion 49ers Brian Peacock took control. It was a great episode. Enjoy We'll be back next week with more of a regular scheduled program, and I'll give you a breakdown of what is happening, what's coming up as we approach potential big dates for the Rams and the rest of the NFL as we look at training camp, getting these guys in the building, and start talking about playing some actual football. Don't forget to go follow at LA underscore Rambling Bear and Locked On Rams. But with that said, best of the best of the NFC West, the Friday edition Locked On Rams. Welcome back to the finale of the NFC West crossover week here. Brian Peacock, the host of Locked On 49ers. Since the Niners are the reigning champions, I got to host two of these shows. It was, was decided. I didn't decide this. Uh, the rest of the division mates decided this. They they bowed down to the champs of the division one last time here. And uh, we'll check in again next offseason and see how things are going with these NFC West crossovers and see if the 49ers can be victorious once again. Of course, I'm with Bo Brock, the host of Locked On Cardinals, Corbin Smith, the host of Locked On Seahawks, and Brad Bear Motter, the host of Locked on Rams. Uh, let's start with Brad, because I want to start with, and we had our polls. If you didn't listen to the rest of the episodes this week, go back and listen to the players we nominated for the best defensive player in the division, the best offensive player in the division. We uh, referenced some breakout players and some of the best newcomers in the NFC West and the best non-head coach in the league. And we put those nominees out to Twitter and we have some results. Some are not very surprising. Actually, I think most of them aren't very surprising, but some things did hold true to what we said about players being underrated, I think. And let's start with the defensive side of the ball. And Brad, I'll bring you into this. Aaron Donald, to be honest with you, uh, and it was... You know, no surprise that Aaron Donald was voted the best defensive player in the NFC West by those on Twitter. Nick Bosa coming in second. Chandler Jones coming in 
They're actually Chandler Jones and Quandre Diggs tying for 4.5% of the votes. Uh, but All Aaron, right. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, before we ask you, Brad, I think the best part of the week was Seahawks fan base coming down on you because you snubbed Bobby Wagner. How did that go this week after that episode was revealed that Quandre Diggs was your dark horse candidate to be the best defensive player representative for the Seahawks? So basically, if you've ever seen the Simpsons movie, it was a large contingency of Seahawk fans carrying torches, just like off that movie, <laughs> coming towards me and saying, well, how could you possibly not pick Bobby Wagner for this? And as the week has gone on, I've actually had more respectful responses. I've had some people like, you know what? You made some good points and Diggs did play really well last year. So there are some sensible people out there. And I think most of them realize that I still think Bobby Wagner is the best middle linebacker in football. I was just giving Quandre Diggs a ton of credit for just how well he played the five games that Seattle had him last year. So there's been plenty of upset people, but I stand by what I said. I think he's in for potentially being an all pro caliber player this year if he can stay healthy. I have no problem with it. I think you made a great argument for it. And look, Bobby Wagner might not be playing at the level he once did. And I think people probably don't realize how good of a player Quandre Diggs is. So sometimes, um, you know, to, to keep the torch references going, sometimes you got to carry the torch for a player who's not getting enough recognition. On this poll, Chandler Jones still not getting enough recognition uh, across the league. And nationally, I think, Bo, and it's exactly what you said when you nominated Chandler Jones as the best defensive player in the division, and he got blown out of the water here by Nick Bosa. Bosa coming up with 31.5% of the votes. Chandler Jones only 4.5%. Um, I'm all for Nick Bosa votes, and my fan base, I think, came strong for me when I retweeted this poll out. But come on, 4.5% for Chandler Jones? Uh, the disrespect just continues for Chandler Jones. I will die on this hill that Chandler Jones deserves more respect, especially from the uh, NFC West opponents. They, they see this guy twice a year, and they don't realize the numbers he's putting up. I, look, I completely agree with you, Brian. I think that Nick Bosa is going to be a star in this league. But Chandler Jones has just done it year in and year out. Last year, 19 sacks, 13 sacks the previous season, led the NFL with 17 sacks, 11 sacks, 12 and a half sacks. And not only just getting to the quarterback, he forced eight fumbles. You know the stats by now. I'm going to make you nauseous, repeating them over and over again. But man, is it, 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 it just is such a sad sight to see the disrespect for Chandler Jones. And here I am about to jump up on my soapbox, get my uh, bullhorn out and, and start rallying for Chandler Jones votes. And I realized the guy blocked me on Twitter. I have no idea why. <laughs> what? Yeah, a, little too, a little too late, Bo. A little too late. <laughs> a little too late. So I'm just, uh, so I kind of held off on that tweet and I said, okay, let's see where this goes. And it went exactly where we all predicted at the beginning of the week. Chandler Jones gets disrespected four and a half percent. I don't know if, if people are, it, we are though talking about the 2020 season and that with him hitting the big three zero. That's not a good age for any position in the NFL outside of Larry Fitzgerald and Tom Brady, who continue to give the stiff arm to father time. But usually that means that guys are going to regress. And Nick Bosa, the rookie year he had, I guess people are seeing the writing on the wall that he's the next star in this division. Yeah, Bosa playing at an elite level as a rookie, that is so rare to see someone come in from week one and be as good as Nick Bosa was. So I have no problem people voting for Bosa and if you're projecting this forward as we are to the 2020 season and maybe looking even ahead beyond I think there is a chance for Nick Bosa to close that gap on Aaron Donald Bosa with 31 and a half percent of the votes and nearly 60 percent of the votes went to Aaron Donald and that was the correct answer Donald the best defensive player in the league and uh, who was it to mention how many years in a row has Donald 
had a 99 overall rating in Madden. Fourth appearance on Madden with a 99 rating. Uh, I saw a video where his fiance surprised him with the 99 box. And I'm like, is he really <laughs> surprised at this point? Like he's just expecting this thing to come. They might as well just send him the next couple of years as well. Uh, but pretty awesome to see that he, the consistency is really what Aaron Donald, as you look deep into the profile of him, is you, you understand the numbers, the pressures. He's always constantly up there. Best defensive player, pro football focus numbers, all that. But the consistency is really what gets you really excited about Aaron Donald. And I talked about it a little bit yesterday uh, as we saw kind of a conversation about, you know, Miles Garrett getting that extension and $100 million guarantees, what they're talking about. And it makes me feel really good about the contract that we got Aaron Donald under. He's now, I think, the third highest. If that goes through, he'll be the third highest defensive player. And if I get a chance to pick any of those guys, I'm picking Aaron Donald again. So uh, kind of going back to, you know, what I've been standing on that hill talking about with Jared Goff, getting that contract out of the way, although maybe it's not pretty for the eyes right now, but for Aaron Donald, man, that is a heck of a deal. And I think that is one player on our roster we will never complain about paying millions and millions of dollars. And uh, excited to see that he, you know, as you said, it seemed like the no-brainer, but it was a little shocking to me at, at some point, 60%. I thought this would be a little bit more dominant. We'll talk about some of these other polls uh, down the road here on this podcast. And, you know, this wasn't the highest bar uh, margin of victory, which I thought maybe it would be. Um, but at the end of the day, a win's a win. Aaron Donald was the correct answer uh, and excited to see what he can do again this coming season. Is there anything, maybe looking forward as Aaron Donald starts to age and, you know, the age curve can be crazy in the NFL. He's so sound. He's so, you know, he plays much bigger than his size. That was the knock on him. That's why he wasn't a top 10 pick. Uh, when he came out in the draft, because you know, yeah, he's only 285 pound defensive tackle. People weren't really sure how to how to take him as a pro prospect, even though he was dominant at Pitt as well. Is there anything you could point to with Aaron Donald and be like, okay, this is why he in the future won't be a 99 anymore? At what point would he start to um, maybe show signs that he's not elite? What area would that be where you point to and be like, okay, now Aaron Donald can't be at this level. He can't be the best defensive player in the NFL anymore because blank. Yeah, I think it's it's a combination of his speed, quickness, creativity, uh, what he's doing at the line. And, you know, I mean, one of my favorite moves is this kind of jump bull rush that he does where he kind of takes this hezzy step and then kind of just slaps his arm through. And next thing you know, he's sacking the quarterback before he even blinked. No guards uh, so can any, play with that. Like no guard can combat that it, athleticism. Exactly. And I think that would be at some point. And the, the problem is you, if for you know, offensive line guys is going, when's that going to come? Right. Is it, uh, is it four years down the road? Is it three years? Is it, is it seven years? I mean, this guy, what he's been able to do, he's just, he hasn't shown any slight form of drop off, but at some point, you know, age is going to get you. We've talked about it in, you know, the quarterback world, as you're looking at some of those older guys that are still hanging around drew Brees, the arm strength is going down, things like that. Uh, so what does that do for Aaron Donald? I think it's when his quickness starts to, when he loses that step, because that is what, really makes him so different in this league. And then obviously the sheer power and just the, the way that he uh, attacks the creativity wise, the offensive line. So I don't think that will ever stop because I think the way that this man works off the field and, and finds ways to get past offense linemen, because now he's not just trying to game plan how to get past one offense lineman. It's two, three guys that he's trying to get past. So uh, I think that's really what is going to slow him down at some point is when he loses that step or that agility to get by people. But, is that it anywhere in sight? I don't think so. And by the way, Corbin, I, I like you going 
with the sleeper pick of Quandre Diggs because even if it was Bobby Wagner, he wasn't going to win out over Aaron Donald, right? Like Aaron Donald's the guy. So uh, I like that you used the I defense. I think Wagner probably just by name recognition would have done a lot better on the poll. Yeah. Um, and again, I think that Bobby Wagner is still an elite football player. I just think Diggs is one of those players that being stuck in Detroit to start his career, I don't think people realize just how darn good of a football player he is. So give well, it a little love to the safety. Chandler Jones is probably lucky he wasn't out there because he may end up with 1% of the vote if, uh, <laughs> if, you, if you stole a little bit more of that vote. So uh, Diggs being on there maybe helped Chandler Jones get up to that mark. But, man, Bo, I talked about it on my podcast yesterday. You nailed it right on the head with that one. Underrated. Maybe it's because he's in Arizona. Maybe it's the age. But at the end of the day, uh, these polls don't really matter. If he can still put up those sacks you're talking about, man, Arizona's defense sure will take him. Yeah, the myth of Aaron Donald just continues. I even saw on social media that Javon Kinlaw, the rookie first-round pick for the 49ers, Brian, was trying to do the old knife. Yeah. Train- <laughs> <laughs> yes, they had to stop the workout. They're like, whoa, 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 hey, Javon, he, these, his knives aren't sharpened. you got to calm down. He's like, oh, really? So they, they had to swap those out for some unsharpened knives. No, that didn't really happen. Uh, his knives were also not sharpened. So whenever you see those videos, not sharp knives but um it's still really cool because you have to get the wrist and you can't get the blade and i think it's uh, a really cool workout routine and um javon kinlaw wasn't going as fast as as uh, aaron donald but if you're going to mimic somebody i think there's worse players in the league to mimic if you're doing some kind of a bizarre workout routine no doubt all right let's look to the offensive side of the ball and again bo your arizona cardinals listeners did not come strong in this poll. We'll talk best offensive player in the division. We'll talk best coach in the division. We'll make our picks for the winners of the division in 2020. Coming up here on the Locked On Podcast Network, NFC West crossover. The suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fancy Football with your Locked On Fancy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider.
get into the offensive side of the ball here with the Rams, 49ers, Seahawks, Cardinals, NFC West crossover offseason. Uh, we've, we've taken the poll from Twitter. We threw it out there. We made our nominations. I nominated George Kittle from the 49ers. Brad, you nominated wide receiver Cooper Cup. Corbin, no surprise, nominating Russell Wilson. And Bo Brock nominating the young second-year quarterback, Kyler Murray. And this one was an upset. And this one was a comeback win from what I saw from George Kittle. And I've got a shout-out to my Locked On 49ers listeners. I think when I retweeted this out, you guys came strong and came with the votes. We saw it with the Nick Bosa getting a nice little chunk there behind Aaron Donald on the defensive side of the ball. And you guys came strong here. George Kittle narrowly winning the vote 48.2% to 46.7% over Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson. So I think some rivalry here. I think the 49ers fans out there might have got a little bit more competitive with this vote. Oh, I don't know how Russell Wilson doesn't win this poll. I mean, I think George Kittle's a phenomenal football player, but Russell Wilson finally gets to be a second team all pro last year putting up 30-plus touchdowns, just five interceptions, still a threat running the football. How many games that he ended up winning for the Seahawks at the end, just shouldering the entire load for a team that, quite frankly, was behind for a good chunk of their games in the second half, and yet they found ways to win, and it was because of Russell Wilson. So this is not a knock on George Kittle. Again, he's a phenomenal talent, the best tight end in football, but Russell Wilson not getting enough respect in this poll. Yeah, I thought this was going to be an easy win for Russell Wilson like the Aaron Donald poll. But uh, again, 49ers fans coming strong. George Kittle does take it. And it was a two-horse race, 48% to 46.7%. That means Cooper Cup and Kyler Murray only got 2.5 and 2.6% of the votes, respectively. I didn't think Cooper Cup was going to hang. I thought there might be a few more clicks, though, for Kyler Murray, even though um, he's still an an ascending player, I think. And, and, And Bo, I think those... Cards fans and listeners might have let you down a little bit there. Yeah, a little bit. I think that's going to come with consistency. They're going to have to see some proof of performance after, you know, a lot of hype this offseason. I know DeAndre Hopkins is coming over. We've seen all these second-year quarterbacks just have these huge monster seasons in their sophomore campaigns, but Kyler Murray's still got to put it all together. And this is an, an offseason unlike we've we've all seen. So we still don't know what's going to happen if things kick off on time September 13th. Uh, in Santa Clara, if he's going to be able to put together what a lot of people think he's capable of doing. But Kyler Murray, he's also answered the bell every time uh, the pressure's been put on him. I mean, he was the successor in Oklahoma to Baker Mayfield, who had a Heisman uh, award-winning campaign the previous season, and Kyler answers with his own. He ascends the top pick in the NFL draft and then takes home the hardware as the Offensive Player of the Year. You know, so Kyler Murray continues to answer those questions uh, we'll see. I mean, but I, I, I do understand that there is some skepticism, especially with him playing for a team that's won eight games in the last two seasons. So we'll see. I mean, the, the hype, I believe in it. I absolutely do. And I think Cardinals fans do as well. Uh, it, but it, it's still going to take, uh, some, some performance out there, getting out there. I am glad that he won this one by the skin of his teeth. He wasn't in the cellar in this poll. And I think Cooper Cup probably got some love from some fantasy owners out there that uh, have benefited from Cooper Cup over the last couple seasons. Yeah, and I think for in the Rams' sake, I don't know who I could have really plugged in here, like we talked about in that in that first segment, uh, to really be competitive, right? Because Jared Goff has still got a, a big step up from where he was last, you know, where he struggled last year. Um, but if you're looking at the stats, and I'm not saying Cooper Cup is better 
than Kittle, but he had more catches. He had more yards. He had more touchdowns. Yeah, Kittle does a lot more, and it, it takes a lot more to game plan against him. But, um, you know, I put this in a reply to someone that basically said, how is Cooper Cup in this conversation? I said, hey, he's the only player, only player in the NFL to have at least 90 catches, 1,100 yards, and 10 touchdowns. And that was with him kind of falling off in the second half with – the emergence of Tyler Higby at the tight end position. So although I knew he wasn't going to, you know, fight for a win in this one, uh, I was shocked too that Russell Wilson didn't take this one home. But um, I think Cooper Cup, if he can continue to put up the numbers that he did last year, and he's going to get more targets this year with Brandon Cooks gone, uh, Todd Gurley gone, uh, I think he can kind of elevate himself to, in the conversation at least, in the NFC West as far as best offense player. Yeah, I think Cooper Cup probably doesn't have the name recognition he should around the league with the numbers he's been putting up because there's so many other star wide receivers. Uh, I do want to point out to some of the um, some of the people on Twitter here that replied to this poll. Uh, JSP, who looks like he's a Cardinals fan, he says, um, DeAndre Hopkins, shaking my head. So he was mad that Kyler Murray was the one nominated, yet you look at his avatar, who's on it? Kyler Murray, front and center. So JSP, <laughs> come on. What are you doing? You're talking out both sides of your mouth there. And then uh, Jurgen said, 49ers without Kittle are still a playoff team. Seahawks without Wilson are a 4-12 and team. Or even worse, this should be closer. Or this shouldn't be close is, I think, what he meant to say there. And, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I cast my vote for Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson's still the top dog because he's that important. I mean, uh, is is Jurgen wrong here, Corbin? Are, are the Seahawks a four-win team without Russell Wilson? I don't know if they're a four-win team, but it's in that ballpark. I think if you have Geno Smith playing quarterback, obviously he has started quite a few games in the league, but that's a huge drop-off. And considering that this team had to come back from deficits in the second half with Russell Wilson last year, yeah, I don't think this team wins very many games in 2019 if they don't have Wilson under center. Let's talk coaches for a bit. And I know we all gave credit to a bunch of assistants, and I thought that was important. I really enjoyed that episode because there's a lot of folks that, even though I cover the 49ers daily here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, I don't talk about a lot of those coaches, and I'll bring a lot of those guys' names up, and there's so many important coaching sta- coach- uh, coaches around the league on, on all coaching staff. So um, I'm glad we did this one. And in the poll, again, the 49ers fans came strong, pulled home the win here with Defensive coordinator Robert Sala, 72%. This was um, this was the biggest boat race of of all the polls we did. We didn't poll the, the newcomers in the division, but uh, Robert Sala winning this one. Obviously, I don't have any problems with this. Brian Schottenheimer came in last. Corbin, I know you have a, a plea about Brian Schottenheimer. He doesn't have the best reputation around the league as the Seahawks offensive coordinator because of some of the previous jobs he's had, but only 4.6% of the votes here, I think you feel like um, he got jobbed a little bit. I do, but I'm not surprised. Actually, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought he was going to be around 3% or less, to be frank with you, because of the reputation. And the more that I thought about it when Seattle originally hired him, you look at who was playing quarterback for Schottenheimer when he was with the Jets. I mean, he was the offensive coordinator for two teams that got to the AFC championship game, and he had Mark Buttfumble Sanchez playing quarterback for him. And that's probably the best quarterback that he had during his time as an offensive coordinator with the Jets or the Rams. Sam Bradford was just stealing money from the Rams and wasn't playing any games. So he finally is with a good quarterback, and you can see that he's capable of designing really solid concepts for his receivers. And, of course, he's best known for establishing running games. The Jets had great run games when he was in New York, and the Rams had some good run games when he was there. Had to because they didn't have a quarterback to play 
but I think that Schottenheimer has really been a pleasant surprise the last two seasons when you give an, uh, look at the fact that they had a lot of moving parts after the 2017 season. When he got there in 2018, got those new pieces together, they bring DK Metcalf in last season. He explodes with 900 receiving yards as a rookie. I, I think the offensive coordinator definitely deserves a lot more credit than he gets. Vance Joseph, Arizona Cardinals defensive coordinator, only 6.8% of the votes. That was third. Second place was Aaron Cromer, the, the only non-coordinator on this list. Offensive line coach in Los Angeles. The Rams' offensive line has been uh, much maligned recently, Brad. Were you surprised that Cromer came in second here? Hey, I was proud. You know, put a silver medal on him. Let's not talk about the numbers. You got second place. Uh, Aaron Cromer, and I'm happy for him there. And I think really uh, people that voted for him understand where I was going with it, right? You're looking at all the injuries that happened last year, putting in uh, rookies in there against the battle right away and how he rebuilds it. And this is what I said when I when I talked about it uh, on my show was really talking about uh, if he can get a group together this year and the Rams are successful either running the game or you know, getting Jared Goff some more protection, it's going to be that guy. So it really is, he's a big key to this success. And he was doing it the last couple of years with great offensive line. His name was under the radar, not getting talked about a lot. And then as soon as they have a down year, everyone's like, who's what's going on with the offensive line coach? But I, I think he actually did a great job in saving it near the end of the year. This is a Rams team that, again, with the new playoff format, would be in the playoffs last year. Would have been three teams from the NFC West. So he did enough to get the job done. Uh, let's just see what he can do in 2020 because it is going to be back on him again to help get production for those new running backs behind him and hopefully a step up in production from Jared Goff. We got to get to our predictions here for the NFC West, but I do want to say I think the big takeaway from this entire week is that George Kittle is definitely the best offensive player in the NFC West. <laughs> let's make our predictions 2020 NFC West standings next. All right, gentlemen, to end the week, let's do it strong here. Let's make our predictions for 2020. Look, so much can change in a calendar year in the NFL. 12 months is an eternity, as we've seen with how funky this offseason has been. Will it really shake things up even more this season in the standings in the NFL and specifically in the NFC West? Let's start with last year's standings at the bottom, the Arizona Cardinals. Bo, how do you see the NFC West in 2020? I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to make a lot of noise in 2020. Obviously, with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins, general manager Steve Keim, consumed with retooling this defense and Kyler Murray emerging, former top pick, and really having the year that a lot of people believe he can do, he can have. 5-10-1, uh, there were a couple close games last year. They could have won seven games, maybe even eight games. Uh, I think that this is a team that can approach nine to 10 wins. They absolutely can. Uh, when you look at the sports book, you look at the over-unders, the, as far as what people are projecting for this team, we're looking at it about seven and a half. And I think that's about right. But best case scenario, I think that this team could compete for double digit wins and, and really be make its case, maybe even hurdle a team like the Los Angeles Rams that are having some cap problems and, and kind of retooling their offense and, and trying to get back. Of course, they need to beat the Rams in McVay for the first time since he's joined or taken over the head coaching reins there. That would help. They absolutely have to be better than one in five in the division. But I think this is a team that could easily climb its way third, maybe even second, and vie for maybe that new seventh playoff spot 
in the each conference. I think that the Cardinals absolutely have enough talent on their roster. Can Cliff Kingsbury, is he a guy who's had three consecutive losing seasons between the NFC West, the Cardinals, and the Big 12 at Texas Tech, can he mesh it all together and dial up the right kind of plays enough for them to compete. That's another, that's a big old question that needs to be answered, but absolutely the talent is no question. I think that the Arizona Cardinals can absolutely contend hurdle the Rams and buy for this third or second spot in this division. I want to ask you about the offensive line because I yeah. think they'll be able to put up a bunch of points. Most people pointed to the offensive line, thought they might've done more. They did draft uh, Josh Jones, who I thought was an excellent selection in round three, but they, they didn't ma- do any massive changes on the offensive line. Do you think the line play last year, looked a lot better with a with a fresher legged running back behind him and maybe some of those sacks were on Kyler Murray and he as he gets better that offensive line is going to look better. Yeah, no doubt. There's a lot of variables that go into that and I think some of the continuity that's returning is going to be key for their success. But you I mean you, you mentioned Mike Kyler Murray was uh according to Pro Football Focus, he was 23 of those 50 sacks or 48 sacks of Kyler Murray um he was he was charged with those. He had the most quarterback charge for sacks in the NFL. That was the most across the league. So I think that Kyler Murray, he's already said that he's going to be better and get rid of the football. Hopefully that's true. Uh, DJ Humphreys signed a three-year deal, their left tackle, after a, a season where he actually stayed on the field for 16 games. And I he only allowed two sacks last season. I thought at the left tackle position when he's healthy, he's got that thing locked down. You mentioned Josh Jones. Hopefully he's a guy... I, I think Josh Jones would be his best case scenario. He's standing on the sideline most of the 2020 season, and he's learning. According to Pro Football Focus, he had one of the greatest seasons for an offensive tackle, but technique-wise, there's a lot of flaws, according to a lot of people that scouted him coming out of Houston. I would love to see him work on that. While a guy like Marcus Gilbert, a veteran, if he can stay healthy, he couldn't do that last year, maybe hold down the right tackle spot. The only position, they're returning four of their five starters on the offensive line. I think with that continuity that there could be some more consistency, but it's going to come down to those guys performing and and protecting Kyler Murray. You mentioned the run game. They were a top 10 running team last year. They went from the bottom of the the league in 2018 to a top 10 running team. That's all Kenyon Drake and Kyler Murray getting out there and utilizing their athleticism. That's also going to help this offensive line. And I think that's one of the big misconceptions of the air raid offense is that they don't run the ball that much. And that was actually the most successful, you know, department of Cliff Kingsbury's offense in his first season. So I think that this offensive line has, has a lot of potential, but we all know that that potential, you know, everybody's got a game plan until mm-hmm. they get punched in the mouth. They face the Niners, you know, right game one, you know, the defense that's returning the most snaps outside of DeForest Buckner. The second any best NFL defensive team. player in the league too. Yeah. 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 That, I, I think that they're, they're going to be, it's going to be a tough challenge and they're going to have right off the bat, an interesting matchup, but then they're taking on teams like Washington. They're taking on the Lions, they're taking on the Panthers. They're taking on the jets. They're going to have an opportunity to kind of write that ship immediately. If things go awry in game one, but I think this offensive line has a lot of potential to really turn things around for the first time. And we mentioned the four out of five starters returning. They, that hasn't been the case since early in the Bruce Arians era. And that's just going to be so key. I think there's a huge, huge deal in meshing those big hog mollies together uh, each and every season. Brad, what is Les Snead doing over there in Los Angeles? Bo pointed to some of the salary cap decisions and, you know, the stars and scrubs sort of a formula that the Rams have going over there. And it doesn't seem to be working out great. 
people talk about a Super Bowl hangover, but they forget that the Rams were still really good and were nine and seven. And if the playoffs were the new format, they would have been in the playoffs last year. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the big, you know, story of the offseason is even I'm looking at the team and going, man, it, it, with the with the salary cap, you know, constraints that they've had, they haven't gotten a, a whole lot better, right? Where you're looking at some of these teams and all the additions and you feel like, wow, we took a big step forward. Um, but that kind of tells me that the Rams have added some good pieces um, that have some potential, right? Uh, along with the draft picks that I really like uh, on the offense and the defense side of the ball with Terrell Lewis being the outside linebacker they got that I'm really excited about and Terrell Burgess, uh, safety out of Utah that I'm really excited about. So I, I, they've added some value there. And like you said, they weren't far off. So the misconception that the Rams, uh, you know, in my eyes where a lot of people nationally go, okay, the Rams are fourth in that division. If the Cardinals make that jump that Bo talked about and, he mentioned it. I'm glad he did because I was I was locked and loaded to say that, you know, the Arizona Cardinals haven't beaten Sean McVay yet. And really, at this point, I want to see him just get into a one score possession with the Rams because we've averaged victory. I think it's 17 points over the Arizona Cardinals. But again, every year is going to be different. And you're going to see like he talked about that running game and everything coming together. But I really see the Rams having a potential uh, with the roster that they have. Uh, some of these young guys, some of the guys coming off an injury to really go and make a run at this division and kind of surprise some people. Cause right now I think they've got a massive chip on the shoulder as a lot of people are looking at them as being like, well, they almost, almost were last in the division last year uh, that they're going to put this a little on their back and kind of lean on some of their veterans, whether that's on defense or offense uh, get back to Sean McVay being that offensive guru where he kind of uh, struggled at times with the identity last year and get back to winning some football games. There were a lot of close football games uh, that they lost. There were a couple blowouts that they lost against the Ravens and the Cowboys that really hurt, but I think they have an opportunity to make some noise in this division with a handful of games left last year. It was three teams fighting for it. The Rams were the least talked about there, but they had an opportunity to sneak up there and, and get into that playoff picture uh, as of last year. So I think they're not far off and I, I expect them to kind of be shooting uh, for that second place, which I think in this division is a playoff spot. Uh, and it could come down like last year with Seahawks and Niners. It could come down to a very last game, two-game scenario where one of those teams can slide in, and that could easily be the Rams. Are you predicting second place? I think that's where I'm. I think that's where the Rams slide in, right? I, I think um, the Niners. I got to give them credit. Uh, Bo talked about it, their defense and bringing back all that experience and uh, that ground game, whether Mostert there is, is there or not. Uh, is they're going to find a way to continue to run the ball, make things simple for Jimmy G. And I think a lot of, uh, especially here in Rams Nation, a lot of people love to come at Jimmy G and say he's not this uh, good quarterback, but I think he gets it done when he needs to. And I think there's an opportunity if the ground game doesn't go as it did last year that he could take over some of that. So I still have the Niners up there. Uh, I think you got to knock them off before you can go ahead and crown yourself there. But I got the Rams uh, coming in at second. And uh, if you know Arizona's looking to jump somebody, maybe it's the Seahawks. Maybe oh, maybe, maybe there okay. is four wins okay. if Russell Wilson goes down early in the season. We, we don't know how that plays <laughs> out, but uh, I see the Rams sliding in in the two seed and, and getting back to the playoffs. All right, Corbin. So where do you see the Seattle Seahawks finishing in 2020? Uh, we're, we're getting short on time here. Um, as you could tell, it sounded like Bo and Brad were really trying to talk themselves into something. Corbin, I think we have to talk <laughs> less about this. Where do you see the Seahawks ending up in 2020? Well, everybody is going to downplay the offseason the Seahawks have had because they didn't re-sign Clowney and they didn't really add any big-name stars like Russell Wilson was pushing for. But I think when you look at the collective parts on that defense, I expect the defense is going to be much better. They get a full season with Quandre Diggs at free safety. You're going to have Bruce Irvin and Benton Mayoa, who both had 
seven or more sacks last year. The Seahawks leader was Rasheem Green with just four sacks last season. So if those two guys can come close to replicating that, you're able to get any production from second round pick Daryl Taylor. And of course, Jordan Brooks being your first rounder, adding that speed to that linebacking group with Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright. I expect that that defense is going to be better. Losing Quentin Dunbar potentially is a big blow, but Trey Flowers has started the last two years, so they at least still have him available to jump into the starting lineup. I think this team, though, is going to be built around the offense and Russell Wilson, the way that he's played the last several seasons, one of the top quarterbacks in the division as long as one of the top quarterbacks in the league. He is the top quarterback in the NFC West. But I think that Seattle, as long as they have him under center, and I know there's been people that have been complaining about Pete Carroll, but the dude just wins football games as the head coach. As long as those two guys are there, I think they are a 10-plus win outfit, and I think the defense is going to be better as a whole than what they were last year. So I do still think that this is probably a second-place team that can push the 49ers for first place. But again, all four of these teams, you could make arguments if things fall the right way, they could win it. That's why it's the best division in the entire league. I totally agree. It's definitely the best division in the NFL. Uh, I cannot pick against the 49ers to repeat though they're just too strong at every position group they're well coached as we saw this week they have the second best defensive player in the league the best offensive player and uh, the best non-head coach and probably the best head coach too for being honest with ourselves here but um, in reality the 49ers are just really good and it's hard to pick against them uh, I can never count out the Seahawks though so I've got the Seahawks coming in second here and I'm, I'm a little bit frightened if they do open it up a little bit on offense with Russell Wilson throwing to DK Metcalf in his second season who is an absolute monster three cone time be damned and Tyler Lockett. And um, I think that the Seahawks are, are just never going to go away unless Russell Wilson gets hurt. If Russell Wilson misses, you know, 10 games, then maybe they do pull up the seller in this division because it's that good of a division because the, the bottom got better. And I don't think the top got any worse. And I'm considering the Rams Seahawks and 49ers all being, uh, you know, over 500 teams last year and being sort of the top. And so they're, they're going to beat up on each other a little bit in this division. So there's a chance that, any of these teams are better than they were last year. A team like the 49ers could be better and still not go 13-3 and three because of how strong this division is, and there's a lot of luck involved sometimes in, in going 13-3. and three. But I think Jimmy Garoppolo is actually going to be better, and I think that's the key to not having a Super Bowl hangover is the rising tide lifts all ships. My listeners have heard me say that a lot this offseason. I think just Jimmy Garoppolo getting a little bit better, you know, this offensive and defensive schemes staying together and the thing they've built that arrived with authority last year um, is just, you know, they can just keep adding bricks to that. And I think uh, the 49ers are going to be in really good shape in 2020. So I've got them and at the top and I just have some question marks about what's going on in LA. So I'm going to stick to my predictions from before the draft and go Niners, Seahawks, upstart Cardinals, just barely overtaking the Rams. That's how I have it in the add, NFC. Add that chip to the shoulder. We like it. We like it. <laughs> it's it's easier to play as the underdog, man. I'm telling you, it's a better place to be. I think people are going to be gunning for the Niners this year. Yeah, we'll see if Jimmy G, if he, how he responds, and you know, we've seen how Jared Goff respond after a, a rough performance in the Super Bowl, and Jimmy G had that throw. That we'll see if that haunts him that he missed on against the Chiefs. Yep. I don't want to, you know, I. <laughs> I just need to get one jab in, I think, before the end of this episode. Fair. But I, it is interesting, and you, the the rigors of the NFL are very real, and that's why it's so tough for sustainable success. And we'll see. I mean, if everything plays out, I think the mo you're right. The most talented roster right now belongs to San Francisco. It's tough to go against them right now. I'm excited about the barometer that that is for this Cardinals team week one. 
Such a fun week, guys. Thanks for joining me here. Thanks for doing this on all of our podcasts. Brian Peacock of Locked On 49ers, Bo Brock of Locked On Cardinals, Brad Motter of Locked On Rams, and Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks signing out another successful week of NFC West crossover episodes. Follow all these guys and me on Twitter and uh, let a friend know. That their team is covered right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We'll be back to regular programming next week. There you have it, Rams Nation. A full week of crossover shows ended in great fashion. Love talking with those guys. Can't wait to get back on the mic and break it all down and see where our predictions play out throughout the season. But that's all we got for you guys today. Appreciate you guys listening. And with that said, you know what it is, Rams Nation. Until next time. Peace. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fancy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fancy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.